there, and welcome to Wilmington Writes, a WCTV podcast for Wilmington writers. On each episode, we feature a Wilmington writer who will read their work or an excerpt thereof and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the selection they share. Let's listen in and see who's in the guest writer's chair today. Oh, what a snappy little open. I have with me today in the writer's chair, the hot seat, Miss Erin DiCarlo, my friend, who does a podcast here for us called Engaging Aging. She is a Wilmington resident and, would you say, founder, president, creator, all of the hat wearer for Dovetail, which is what? We are a one-point contact for any services an older adult and or their family may need when facing a major life transition. Wow. That's a big mouthful. It is, and it's a lot of different services. But. Cool. But today, we're talking about writing. I don't know how you have any time with all of those hats to do any writing, but the essay you're going to share with us today is pretty fascinating, and I can't wait for you to read a little piece of it. So we'll start with the usual questions that we do on this podcast, which is tell us about yourself. I guess you kind of did a little of that, but let's get a little more personal. So what can you tell us about Erin the person? Thank you, Lisa. Um, my name's Erin DiCarlo. I am an age well advocate. So essentially that means I adore working with older adults. I've spent my entire life from childhood creating really deep, connected, bonded relationships with seniors. And I also am a mother to four young children, raising my family here in Wilmington. And so although I service clients from all over the state, southern New Hampshire down through the Cape, a lot of my close, near and dear clients are right here in our backyard in Wilmington. So I am on it daily, both ends of the the spectrum, seniors and young children at home. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot, but yes. it's really rewarding. That's good, though, you know? So what or when, actually, did you start writing? So I would say I would not classify myself as a writer. I have, I'm an idea woman. I have aha moments all day. And sometimes I put pen to paper with those thoughts or ideas. And mostly it's just human experiences that happen throughout my day that inspire me to sometimes put some articles or essays or uh, blog posts together. Cool. Are you a journal writer? I am not, but I've been my entire life. That's constantly come up for me. People say you should journal. Because I have so who many has thoughts. the time, you know, though, know. really? But I know that they have programs now that you can use on your phone so you can speak. But I don't think it's the same. It's not. Something yeah. about pen to paper. I agree. All right. Let's see. Why do you write? So you just said when the mood strikes you. You just hit the nail on the head, though, about journaling. Because maybe it's because I don't journal. I have so many thoughts and ideas in this ADHD brain of mine that when I take a minute, I have three large whiteboards in my office, and I just stand in front of them and create and write. And I work those ideas out visually in front of me, word for word, and some things pan out and some don't. But for me, writing allows me to take all of these thoughts and see what will work, what will stick. Yeah, kind of put them in a linear format because from what you're explaining, there's so many things pinging in your brain. You know, you just said you weren't a writer, but that's writing, you know. It is. It's just a different way to do it. All right, so what are you working on now? So... I guess every day you're writing stuff, but not maybe in the creative sense. Yeah, so it's funny you should say this. Today I was reading, uh, I am a certified senior advisor, and the National Association of Certified Senior Advisors has a beautiful publication. It's their quarterly journal, and it's robust, and the articles are so fascinating and engaging and full of education and 
Pearls of Wisdom. And so today I reached out to them to see what was the topic and theme for their next journal. Because we provide so many different resources, we do a lot of educational programs. So on a day-to-day basis, I am writing. I'm typically writing education programs for older adults. But I'd like to take those topics and really turn those into articles or essays. So um, that's my next project, I would say, is with the Certified Senior Advisors. All right. Are there any creative rituals you use to get yourself in the mood to write? You know, some people light a candle, they drink tea. I think for you, it's probably you just got to get somewhere and write it down because it's got to be the quickness of the thought and transposing it to paper. That makes the difference for you. It's actually telling my story to someone else and they put it to paper. So for example, what I'll read today was a phone call where I said, please get out your laptop. I have something I want to say. And then I was able to go back and edit it. But for me, my creative process is taking the thought in the moment. And if I can't put it to paper, calling somebody who can get the gist of it, and then I can go back and refine my idea. And what a nice way to include someone else in the process for you. That's great. I've never heard anybody say that before. What might you have for suggestions for fellow writers and creators? What would you say to somebody who's either going to embark on what you've done, you know, writing things down on a board and sharing things, maybe not journaling yet, but maybe they're in business and, you know, emails are are a big thing these days and that's writing too, communicating succinctly on paper or through the the ethernet as it yeah. were is a thing too. So what would you So s- for say? me don't overthink it. I think oh, when we that's have That's a good one. Yeah, when we have a moment of passion or a, an inspiration, just get it out, write it all out. You can always go back and refine and add and change and edit, but if we're waiting for the perfect moment or the perfect idea mm. or worrying will this land with others? For example, this thought of this this essay that we're talking about today, it was just a thought. I didn't know if it would land well. It's been published with a few other organizations. Um, so don't worry about the end result. Just get your, your thought or your passion out, and then you can always refine. 80% is good enough. This is something I fully stepped into mm. the last decade. If we waited for perfection in any area of our life, we will be stagnant and we won't make progress. Right. 80% should be good enough. Mm. I think the fear keeps us stuck, Mm. too. You know, the wanting it to be, air quotes, perfect keeps you stuck and you just won't get there. You're right. And 80%, yeah, that's great. Who wouldn't want that? And for your readers, whatever you're writing, um, it doesn't have to be for everyone. The folks that it's meant to be for will consume it and appreciate it. So it's okay. It's for you. I would assume for most writers it's for you. And if folks are in alignment, they will come. They will and be drawn. it's so subjective. Like art, yes. you know, what I love or you love might not be the same thing, but that's okay exactly. too, right? Exactly. If we'd like to read more of your work, and I'm going to add a little to this question, or we want to get in touch with you, yes. how do we do that? So dovetailcompanies.com, there is a section of articles, blogs, and additional information that talks broadly, and you'll see a lot of my writing on there. Um but to get in contact with me, Erin, E-R-I-N, at Dovetail, D-O-V-E-T-A-I-L, companies, cool. all spelled out, dot com. All right. And if you can't find her that way, you guys can always reach out to me, Lisa, at WCTV.org, and we will get you in touch with Erin and her minions. What will you be sharing with us today, and what inspired the piece you're sharing? This is a very good little essay. I loved reading it. I really enjoyed it a lot. So tell the folks before we share a little piece of it, because we can't read the whole thing today, um, what inspired this? I I have four children. My youngest is a, at the time, three-year-old son 
uh, Vincent, and I was busy, busy making his bed, taking all the toys off the bed and making his bed and making sure I was, you know, tucking in the hospital corners and all of that. And Joe Scott, who is my director of move management services, always talks about how important it is to make a proper bed for our clients the way his mother taught him how Ah. to make a bed. And in that moment, my brain started to think about the um, ritual and the intimacy of someone's bed Mm. and all of the experiences that occur throughout our life. And when we lay our head each night on that bumpy or flat or firm or soft pillow, it's a very personal and intimate experience. And so for us, here I am with a three-year-old's bed making their bed, but my clients on average are in their you know 80s and 90s, and that bed still has, if not more, intimacy and personalization on the other end of our life as it does early on. And so this essay is just to talk about us as individuals and the Mm. importance of our bed. I like the metaphor of it, too. I'll let you read it in a second. But I like the metaphor, um, when you hear it, folks listening, of what bed means. You know, I didn't think about all the different transitions in my life of what my bed meant. And this essay talks about that, how when you're a kid, bed means a certain thing. When you're older, it means a certain thing. So uh, let's just let you share it, and then we can talk some more about it. So here is Erin DiCarlo reading an excerpt from her essay called Bed. Whether off to college, the military, or your first apartment, if you didn't take your childhood bed with you, you finally had a new, or at least different, bed. Whether the bed was comfortable, it didn't matter. It was a safe place in a new environment, a respite from what could have been a challenging first couple of days in a new space. If in the military, it was likely the bed that was made each day, beds in first apartments that were made to prove to doubting parents that a clean and orderly home could be maintained for at least a month. However, a quick fluff of the duvet was likely the only bed making in college. Bed is an intimate place. Bed is personal. So true. I hope from listening to that, listeners, that you'll want to read the rest because it's not very long, but it's very poignant what you say in there. How the beginning starts out about how when you're a kid, go to bed. You're it's like a punishment. And now in my late fifties, I love wait. going to bed. Or as a teenager, <laughs> I really do. Yeah, or a teenager, you have phone calls with your girlfriends in bed, or right. you're upset from your first breakup and you just hide in your bed, right. and it's just that place of reprieve. Or intimacy with a partner. How the bed becomes a place where children come in the middle of the night or you know you lose your spouse that you shared a bed with for so many years I mean it's just a very right personal space I never thought about that until I read this I really like that you took something that's universal because everybody can relate to the concept of bed no matter what kind of bed it is whether it's a mat on the floor if you're in a different culture or it's a big beautiful four-poster canopy it's the same human concept. I really love what you did with that. Thank you, I love Lisa. it so much. So is there anything final you'd like to add before we close this little segment yeah, we just I did? Yeah, I just want to add the, the underlying most, for me, the most important part of this essay. For older adults, when we are in our largest life transition, the familiarity and the comfort of our bed in a new space or environment is absolutely, in my professional opinion, and I work with a lot of people with dementia, imperative for success in transitioning to a new space when a completely unfamiliar environment offers you something that smells like and feels like you. I can't tell you how many adult children mean well, and they say, oh, we're getting rid of that old bed. Mom needs a new comforter and a new pillow. And people don't understand 
that the linens that someone, the sheets someone has washed thousands of time have a very different texture, scent, consistency than crisp, you know, now they use all different types of um, material. To lay your head on the pillow that you've always laid your head on goes a really long way. So if you have an older adult in your life in transition, just think about really recreating that environment for what works best for them not what you think is best. It's beautiful. And it's such a simple topic, mm. but so meaningful. And in the end of the essay, you talk about waking up that first day in any new space. You know, this is talking about life transition, but waking up that first morning, you want to feel that comfort and that safety. And I think everybody can understand that concept. So I thank you so much for writing thank it you. and for bringing it to me. Um, a little bit more about your podcast. If you guys want to listen to Engaging Aging, you can do that. It's a very good podcast. Lots of pearls of wisdom in there that you'll get. And probably some stuff about bed is in there too, yes. right? All right. Thank you so much, Erin, for taking time out of your busy life to be with us. And thank you guys for listening in to Wilmington Writes. Thank you for joining us for Wilmington Rights. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or know a Wilmington resident who should be, shoot us an email at lisa at wctv.org. That's L-I-S-A at wctv.org. And we'll reserve your spot in the guest writer's chair. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and keep listening.